Hey, welcome to the Christmas edition of More Than Bread. My name is Dan, and I'm a I'm a pretty common guy with perhaps a bit of an uncommon need for Scripture that has developed into a a deep love for Scripture. So that's really the heart of this podcast. It's just an attempt to let the Word of God more fully saturate my soul, and if it helps you to do the same, it's a double win. So this is episode number 204 of More Than Bread, but it's day one of our Advent series. I haven't done this before. Typically, all my episodes have been kind of timeless so that you could go back and listen to them some other time, bring someone along and invite somebody to listen to them, and and, and they won't be marked by time. But this is different. I'm, I'm doing a Christmas pause. So this is day one of our Advent series. If you haven't been caught up in listening as my podcast drop, or at least close to it, and it's like April... When you're hitting this episode, you'll either want to skip ahead till you see Philippians again, about 15 to 20 episodes now, or do Christmas in April, your choice. In the last episode, we were in Philippians chapter 2, which had a bit of Christmas woven through it anyway, and in 15 to 20 episodes, we'll be out of Christmas and back to Philippians chapter 3, one of my all-time favorite chapters in, in, in all of Scripture. But for the next 15 to 20 episodes, we're doing a Christmas pause. I don't really have a detailed plan for what this will be like, but we'll do a few days looking at Old Testament Christmas passages, previews in a sense, and then we'll spend a a few days in Matthew and a few in Luke, and we'll probably give the Apostle John a closing word or two as well. These episodes might be a bit shorter, which is probably okay for most of us at Christmas anyway, right? And they will follow the same kind of scripture talk, scripture prayer path that most of the other episodes have followed as well. And and I don't know, I, I hope it can be a meaningful part of your Christmas season. So in this episode, in the next few, we're looking at some Old Testament previews of Christmas, of Christ's coming. We're going to start with Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. Might be the most famous preview, but let me read that passage from the New Living Translation. The prophet Isaiah writes, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. It won't. My words, it won't. In the end, light wins and darkness loses. That time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, it will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. God, you will enlarge the nation of Israel. His people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their souls. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior, the uniforms blood-stained by war will all be burned. They'll be fuel for the fire. And here come the Christmas words. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity, and the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Now, our Advent series at church is called The Light Has Come, and we looked at this passage in week one of Advent with a challenge to fight for the heart of our king because the heart of our king fights for us. And and if you didn't listen to that, I just encourage you, go listen to it. I I think it's an important message. If you'd like to listen, you can just go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash CalvaryCWow. I think the title is A Christmas Battle. 
But in this episode, I want to go in a bit different direction, a bit more about the baby born, the son given. It was 1918, a little over 100 years ago, the eyes of America were on Europe as American soldiers were entering the Great War, World War I. The whole world was focused on news of the war until the Spanish flu hit, the greatest epidemic to that point the world had ever encountered. And while all these world-changing events, great war, great epidemic were taking place, babies were being born. That year, a year of great darkness, Nelson Mandela was born in South Africa. Ella Fitzgerald, the first lady of jazz, was born in Newport News, Virginia. Frederick Sanger, whose research on DNA sequencing led to the Human Genome Project, was born in England. Billy Graham was born in Charlotte. I I could go on. Bernstein, Sam Walton. Nobody thought about the babies. All eyes were on the great events of the day. And, And yet think about the ripple effect of the births of those and so many other babies. Right? How many lives were touched? Which of the great events ultimately of 1918 mattered more than the babies born in 1918? See, we tend to imagine that God manages his world through all the great events. When, when Christmas is a reminder that his plans often begin with a baby, when the gospel needs to go out, when a country needs to be liberated, when a, when a song needs to be sung or a book needs to be written or a medical breakthrough needs to occur, God sends a baby. <laughs> Is it any wonder that when the world needs to be saved, God comes as a baby? The prophet Isaiah writes, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so it all starts with a a baby from Nazareth. 2,000 plus years later, our Christmas is still woven through with memories of the wonder of that night. Mary and Joseph, angelic encounters, Bethlehem birth, manger laid, shepherds and choirs of angels, wise men and a star. And yet in reality, if you were there at the moment of birth, the the wonder might have seemed a bit more common, a tad more ordinary. Two homeless blue-collar people on the border of poverty spending the night in a lean-to shed attached to the back of an adobe house. Birth. (laughs) A wonder indeed, but a common wonder. It was the birth of a baby. Don't get me wrong. I I love babies, but if you're going to change the world, don't send a baby, right? Until we take into account the ripple effect. It's almost easier to watch than it is to explain. You can imagine it. We've all done it. You've taken a rock and thrown it into the water and watched the circles rippling outward from the point of impact. Long after the stone has gone from sight, the effect of its presence ripples beyond its source. Christmas is a grand illustration of the ripple effect. Such a small beginning, but oh, what a ripple. My goodness, the ripples of Christmas have continued on for thousands and thousands of years. Just just imagine, what if Jesus never came? What if there never was a Christ in Christmas? I I know how the ripple of Jesus has impacted my life. On a regular basis, I get to see how the ripple of Jesus has touched some of your lives, but it goes well beyond that, doesn't it? I mean, have you ever stopped to ponder the awe-inspiring, breathtaking magnitude of the impact of his ripple in the world? Without Jesus, no church, one of the most influential movements in the world gone. And I, I know in our country, the church kind of has a little bit of a stink to it. But when you look worldwide at what has been accomplished through the church, I mean, think of all the Christians who've stood up against injustice. No Bonhoeffer, no Martin Luther King, no Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, or Francis of Assisi. 
But but for now, this episode, let's talk about how the coming of Christ has given birth to compassion and generosity in our world. God has given all of us the capacity for generous compassion, but, but just think of how the followers of Jesus have brought compassion to the world. John Orberg described it this way, he said, in ancient Rome, Rome, it was generally the beautiful, the noble, and the strong who were valued. The weak, those in the margins of life, they, they carried little value. In fact, in the first century, a Roman philosopher named Seneca wrote, we drown children at birth when they are weak and abnormal. And then this group of Jesus followers came on the scene and their leader lived a life of deep compassion for people. And they often heard him saying things like, let the little children come to me because they're great in the kingdom of heaven. And and they actually, this group actually began to take in abandoned children. There, there was a man named Beningus of Dijon. He, he was a, a follower of Jesus. It was written that he nursed, supported, and protected a number of deformed and crippled children that had been left to die. You know what? He was martyred for that compassion. It was just too upside down for that world. But the ripples of Jesus changed the heart of the world. In, in years past, you may have seen some of the stories on Facebook of a number of ladies here at Calvary who started participating in December, wearing a dress every day of December to raise awareness and money for those caught in human trafficking and the global sex trade, especially kids. Millions and millions of kids are exploited every year. Wearing a dress every day in December is nothing more than a ripple in the world of fashion, but in the last 10 years, over $18 million has been raised by over 280,000 people. Blythe Hill is the one who got it all started. Why did she do it? Because her faith in Christ moved her to compassion. It was the ripple effect. She partnered with International Justice Mission, which was started by Gary Hogan. And in the last, I don't know, 25 years or so, the International Justice Mission has rescued over 40,000 slavery in slavery and, and the global sex trade. Now, why did Gary leave his well-paying law practice to start the mission? Because he was compelled by the love of Christ. The ripple continues. I could go on and on. Salvation Army, World Vision, Campus International. Without Christ, none of them exist. Last year, we packed over 140,000 meals for refugees through an arm of, of an organization started by a man named Bill Bright, who was changed by Christ. Far too often, we miss the mark when it comes to generosity. But when we look at the big picture, the ripples of Jesus have spread compassion throughout the world. That's what our 1% offering is all about just being a part of the ripple. That's barely even a brief taste of the ripples of Jesus, the ripples of Christmas, because it only looks to the grand scale of humanity. But when we, when we bring Jesus back down to the individual level, the ripple stories multiply exponentially. Your stories and my stories flow into a story that's been in the process of being written for thousands of years in the lives of millions of people. What if Jesus had never come? Think of the stories that would not be written. We, we do this thing at Calvary every year called the 1% Offering. Our goal this year is $275,000. And if you go to calvarysc.org slash one, O-N-E, you can read some of the stories and look at some of the pictures. Part of what we do is give a couple hundred plus kids in Myanmar hope, help, and a home, an education, a future. It, it's, it's the story of the ripple of Jesus through the ripple of you into the ripple of a child in Myanmar. One of the kids who got caught in the ripple was Martha. She was rescued by a student from the Bible school that we helped to start in Myanmar. Her father was trying to sell her to satisfy his drug addiction. She was the most amazing little girl. 
She gained hope because of the ripples of Jesus in her life. Think of the comfort that would not have been given, the redemption of families that never would have occurred, the hearts not healed if Jesus had never come. But he did. He did come. A baby born in common surroundings without the benefits of economic security, no no Penn State degree, parents without power influence, living in enemy-occupied Israel. His life started a ripple that changed the world. Why such an impact? Well, I think it's because he was, and Christmas is, our celebration of the ripples of heaven on earth. (laughs) You talk about a heavy stone. (laughs) Dropping heaven into the, the ocean of earth. And don't you want to be a part of that ripple? Isn't that part of what draws us in at Christmas? Christmas calls us to be part of a world-changing ripple effect. So how do we join the Christmas ripple? I mean, there are a lot of ways to join the ripple. In fact, in in our Advent message, I I talked about this passage in Fight for the Heart of Your King, talked a lot about a lot of different ways that we join the ripple. When we give, when we forgive, when we love others, when we love our neighbors, when we love our enemies, when we pass on the blessings that God has passed on to us, we join the ripple. But perhaps first and foremost, most importantly, we become part of the ripple as we set our sights on Christ, as we fix our hearts on Christ, as we dive into the wonder of God in the flesh, creator, become part of the creation, Jesus, Jesus, the name above all other names. So let's not leave Isaiah chapter 9 without being reminded that Christ is the heart of Christmas. He's the ripple maker and the ripple. He's the treasure beyond compare. Jesus is the name above every other name. Think about this as I close. Of all the prophecies and previews of the coming of Christ to the earth in the Old Testament, they never knew his name. (laughs) Abraham was called the friend of God, but all he ever knew was that God was going to establish a never-ending covenant with him and his descendants. He never knew the name. Moses was so close to God that they spoke face to face as a man speaks to a friend, but all Moses knew was that he'd be a prophet. God never told him the name. Balaam saw him, a non-Israelite prophet. He said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A a scepter shall arise out of Israel. But Balaam didn't see the name. God called King David, a man after my own heart. You you would think David would have been given the name, but all he ever found out was that this this ripple would be a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. He, He never knew the name. The prophet Micah was told where he'd come from, and Micah 5 2 said, But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. But nobody told him the name. The prophet Zechariah prophesied that he would ride in like a king on a donkey in Zechariah 9 9, but he didn't know the name. And in some ways, perhaps the prophet Isaiah came the closest. He knew that he would be a light which would bring joy. He knew that he would suffer for us and be like a lamb led to the slaughter. He knew that he would be born as a child. In fact, he knew that he would be born from a virgin, and he almost got the name. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, Isaiah said, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Wait wait a minute, Isaiah. Emmanuel simply means God with us. Well, we knew that. Try again, and so he tried again, for unto us a child will be born, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, (laughs) Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. See, not even the prophet Isaiah knew the name. But oh my goodness, do you know what a privilege it is that we know 
the name. We live on the other side of Christmas. We, we know the name. We know the name that's above every other name. We know the name which will cause every knee to bow and every tongue to confess. We know the name which alone brings life, which called upon brings salvation. We know the name which Satan fears and the name by which we pray strong prayers. We know the name which Paul and countless millions of other people through the ages have been willing to die for, die for his name. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the name above all other names. And we know, we know, we know the name. His name is Jesus, and he is for you. There's nothing greater than Christ. Christ is the treasure of Christianity. Let that ripple through you into the hearts of those around you. With all my heart, I love Christmas. I love the songs and the decorations. I love the story. I don't even mind the Hallmark movies. I love the lights and the trees. I'm telling you, Lynn turns our little cabin into a place of wonder and glory. But sooner or later, the lights come down, the wrapping paper is tossed, and the toys get broken. But we know the name. (laughs) He's not just prominent. He's preeminent. He's not just sufficient. He's sovereign. He's not just someone. He's one of a kind, more than a bright spot in a bit of darkness. He is the light of the world. And we know his name. So every once in a while in the days to come, just whisper his name. Whisper his name. Just say it over and over again to yourself. Let his name come out your lips loud enough for your ears to hear it because that's a a way that it saturates our souls. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. May the ripple of Jesus, may the ripple of heaven continue. Let me pray for us. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) What a privilege it is that we know your name, the name above every other name. It's not just about what we do. It's about who we know. It's not just about the practices of Christmas. It's not even just about generosity. It's about who we know. We know your name. May may this Christmas be a time where we find moments where where your word, even without thinking about it, unconsciously, unbidden, your, your name comes out of our mouths and and into our ears, and maybe even into the ears of those around us. May we love your name. (laughs) May we honor your name. May we speak your name, the name that is above every other name this Christmas. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.